And we appreciate everybody on all the teams that's ministering to the Lord and to us, ministering to our children right now, ministering on the cleaning team. How many glad this place is clean this morning? How many wouldn't be happy if there was a bunch of junk on the seat and stuff under the floor and you didn't know if you could sit down or not? Uh, that, that wouldn't be glorifying to the Lord. We got, we got a lot of faithful people all over this place working and uh, the grounds, don't the grounds look nice and, and good? Thank God. Well, you know, it's your church, right? And so we're all glad that you're taking care of your church. Uh, go with me, if you would, to Second uh, Timothy, the first chapter, Second Timothy 1. It really is a privilege that the Lord has given us a church, and we've got such freedom I said, we have freedom. Uh, you know, it, it's easy to take it for granted because we've experienced it so much and, and from our, our whole time here. But, you know, there's a whole lot of countries we couldn't do like we do. There's a whole lot of governments wouldn't allow us to say what we say and do what we do, practice what we do. we we got nobody telling us what to do. We can, we can follow the Lord. We don't have any group telling us we can or we you know, we, we don't have to check with headquarters <laughs> to see can we do this project or that project. We, uh, we don't have to have people across the country vote on it or, or anything. We can just hear from God and go. This is something to rejoice about. This is something to be thankful for. And see, that's one of the reasons why we, we're talking about houses and lands and buildings. The Lord wants you to have freedom in your life like that and uh, financial prosperity and, and going from owing to owning gives you freedom. Uh, wealthy people have choices. Poor people don't. Hmm? There's, there's a whole teaching right there. And so uh, uh, money and ability and favor and, and owning and, and not owing gives you freedom. God could tell you to do something, and you can do it. You can actually do it and make huge changes in your life or in your schedule and what you do. And uh, life is very short. And we don't want to wake up in a few days, and our life uh, is at the end, and we've just been a slave to some kind of system that didn't put the kingdom first. And we say, well, I had to do this or because I didn't have the money or I had to do this. Well, we know who's got the money, who can get the money to us. So that's not really an excuse. If we'll believe God, He can do things even though it's not available to us in the natural. So uh, let's come up to a higher level of freedom and liberty and ability. Second Timothy, did you find the place? Second Timothy 1. And five, we've been on this for uh, a few weeks now, and uh, we call it true faith. And we'll continue this morning. Fifth verse says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in you also. He said, There's something in you, Timothy, that was in your grandma." And it was in your mama. And it's in you. And what was it? Faith. 
But he described, he, he, he gave a, a descriptor. What kind of faith? Unfeigned faith. Now, we don't use that word feigned so much uh, anymore. Uh, a little bit you, you see, but not in, in normal usage. But feign means pretend. Pretend. Uh, one translation says unhypocritical faith. Another one says uh, real faith, genuine faith. One says true faith. Well, if there's an unhypocritical faith, what other kind must there be? There must be a hypocritical faith or you wouldn't have to say unhypocritical. If there is a genuine faith, what else must there be? There must be a fake faith, a phony faith, right? If there's a true faith, there must be a false faith. And so he's, ta he, he's talked about this, and that's what our title is, true faith. There is that which is called faith, but it's not. Probably you've heard about, known about things that people said, God told me to do this, or I'm just stepping out to do this by faith, and it ended badly. There are people that are dead because they supposedly were doing something by faith, right? You've heard about it. Things have been on the news. Uh, you know, people, uh, some, some of them in jail because of things that they did, and then they were judged later to have been negligent in this area or that, and they said they were doing something by faith. Uh, people decided to uh, step out in this area or that and, and said, God told me, and I'm believing. Well, that, that also brings reproach on other people that talk about faith, people like us, and they say, oh, see there, there's nothing to that so-called faith stuff. Look there, you know what happened? That's just a bunch of junk. But... Uh, God cannot fail, and His Word cannot fail. So real faith in God is not going to fail. Real faith in His Word is not going to fail. But the thing is, there, are, there is that, obviously, that's called faith. And to the undiscerning, it looks like faith to them. It sounds like faith to them because they don't know much about faith, but it's not really faith. Now, 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, we've looked at this before, but 2 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 5, says, Examine yourselves, the NIV says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. The Good News translation says, uh, Put yourself to the test and judge yourself to find out whether you're living in faith. The New Living says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. So we're charged by the Word to check up on ourselves, test ourselves, examine ourselves for what? Is this really faith? Now, I've exhorted you and me, and let's do it again. We're not preaching to somebody else this morning. We're preaching to Faith Life Church. Right? E-members and everybody but Faith Life Church. And uh, we need to examine every time we open our mouth and say, I'm believing this. I'm believing for that. I'm in faith about this. Are we supposed to check up on ourselves and go, are you really now? <laughs> Not talking about me judging you or you judging me. Talking about us judging ourselves. And going now, uh, you know, I've had 
numerous times uh, that people said, I'm, I'm believing for this and I'm believing for that. And uh, I said, based on what? How? And sometimes they look at you startled like, I'm just believing. And, and sometimes people have thought that believing is just, you just pick something off the top of your head and I'm just going to believe this happens. Well, no. Believing is not based on nothing. Believing is based on the most solid thing in all time and eternity. If you have faith in me, it's only based on what I told you. If you got faith in God, how does it come? Comes by hearing and hearing what he told you, right? So you can't just say, I'm going to believe this. Well, no, it has to be. If you're going to believe God's doing something, it's got to be based on what he told you. Faith is not based on nothing. Uh, you know, desire isn't faith. Wanting something, even wanting something tremendously, is no sign that you're in faith about it. We need to differentiate. And so there's empty talk. And sometimes there's big talk. <laughs> Somebody say big talk. Go with me over to Judges. I want you to notice this. Judges. The, uh, what is it, the ninth chapter, Judges 9. Judges 9, and we'll begin down about over about verse 26. They'll put it up on the screen for us. Where's Judges? It's back there. <laughs> Judges 9. How many have been reading your chapters? Let me see. Good, good. We're, we're into Psalms now, aren't we? And we'll be on what, Psalm 4 on Monday. If you hadn't been reading with us, uh, fell off the wagon somewhere or another, well, come on, get, get on in. Get back in. You need to feed your, your faith. You need to feed your spirit on a regular basis. Uh, our cards in whatever you call them. Yeah, <laughs> bookmarks. Uh, back in the uh, information area, they'll give you one, and it tells what chapter we're reading on what day and how many others wonderful things in the Psalms. And so uh, be sure to join with us. If you got behind, well, just hook up where we are now. And, and begin to read these psalms, feed yourself. But here in Judges, he said in verse 26, uh, Gael, the son of Ebed, came with his brethren and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. Somebody say confidence. They put their confidence in him. Did you know that confidence is a, is a faith word? Anybody remember Hebrews 11.1? 1? defines what faith is. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, other translations bring, this, bring it out like this. The, the New Living says, Faith is the confidence. Somebody say confidence. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Confidence. If you are in faith, you have confidence about what you're expecting. 
Hmm? Yes. Confident. Let's see if you're in faith about your healing. Then you are confidently expecting changes in your body. Yes. Right? Yes. If you're in faith about your finances, then you are confidently expecting money to come in, things to be changed, right? Whatever it takes to get you out of your problem and in good shape again. Confidence. Say it out loud. Confidence. Confidence. Now, here it says they put their confidence in this man. Well, you know, Psalm 118.8, don't turn there, but Psalm 118.8 says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men, in man. And you can see that sure was the case with these guys as the story goes on. They put their confidence in this fellow named uh, Gael. And anyway, um, he begins to talk in verse 28. Gael, the son of Ebed, this is the guy they put their confidence in. He said, who is Abimelech? Now, Abimelech was the head guy in charge. Who's a, it's like talking about the president. Who is Abimelech? Who is Shechem? that we should serve him. Is not he the son of Jer- Jeroboam and Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for why should we serve him? I would to God this people was under my hand. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. We don't need them in charge. Well, who do we need? Well, I'm available. <laughs> See? Motive there. And... Uh, He said, would to God the people were under my hand, I would remove Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, of course, Abimelech wasn't there. But he said, increase your army and come out. He's doing some talking. And when Zebo, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gael, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled. He sent messengers to Abimelech privately. He said, Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brethren are in Shechem, and they're fortifying the city against you. Now you get up by night and come, the people that's with you, and lie awake in the field. It'll be that in the morning, soon as the sun is, is up, you'll rise early and set on the city. And behold, uh, he and the people that's with him will come out against you, and you can do to them as you shall find occasion. And Abimelech rose up, and all the people that were with him by night, and they laid wait against Shechem in the four companies. And Gael, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entering of the city, gate of the city, and Abimelech rose up and the people that were with him from lying in wait. And when Gael saw the people, he said to Zebul, Behold, there's people coming down from the top of the mountain. Zebul said to him, You just see in shadows. Uh, they just look like men. And Gael spoke again. He said, No, look, there's people coming down in the middle of the land. And there's another company coming over there by the plan of Meonim. And then said Zebul, Where is your mouth now? The the NIV says, uh, where's your big talk? Where's your big talk now? You said, who is Abimelech that we should serve him? He said, so uh, go on out there and fight. (laughs) There he is. And without reading the rest of it, uh, they got whooped real bad. (laughs) And his big talk meant nothing. But I just read all that, you know, I wanted you to to hear that phrase, where is your mouth now? Where is your big talk now? They put confidence in this man 
which was equal to putting confidence in his big talk. And they missed it. And they followed the wrong people. And they got messed up. Now, when talking about fake faith, this is part of it. There are people that talk a big talk. But there's no confidence. There's no real faith there. But there's this thing about pride. And don't, don't think there's no problem with pride. Everybody in here has to deal with pride. Everybody. Everybody. And one of the things about pride is it, it wants to impress. Pride wants to impress. That's how stories get bigger and bigger. We all know about fishing stories. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, people try to impress, uh, you know, exaggerating that things are bigger, that there was more money, that it was a greater experience. But also people try to impress you with how bad it is. Don't they? Boy, you think you hurt when that thing happened. Let me tell you what hurting is. Man, I, ooh. You think your operation was bad. And just get to exaggerating about how bad it was trying to impress. And there's phoniness. And there's fakeness. And there's lying. Well, this happens in so-called word and faith circles. And people so many times not wanting to be outdone will try to jump in. Somebody says, you know, we're going to believe for this. We're going to, you know, believe to uh, take over the state of Texas and and turn it into one big church. And we... And we're going to believe for, you know, $80 billion by the end of the month. We're going to believe. Y'all going to believe with us? <laughs> and, and people are like, uh, uh, well, yeah. Woo, yeah, glory. <laughs> now, do you know what I'm talking about or not? Big talk. Big talk does not necessitate big faith. And how do you know the difference? Well, faith is confidence. And if you don't have confidence, now faith is the confidence of things expected. People talk a bunch of things, but are they really persuaded in their heart about it? Are they really expecting this to come to pass? You either have the confidence or you don't. You can't just work it up. And so we need to be honest. And what has happened, and I've seen this, what has happened is people got this great big deal that they're saying, we're going to believe for, and we're going to believe that this happens. And people are, uh, they don't want to admit if your faith is bigger or your vision is bigger than mine, so they want to go, yeah, 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 we'll believe with you. And what they wind up doing is pretending to believe. And this would be the feigned faith, the fake faith. They're pretending to believe it. Well, what if these people are pretending to believe their self? (laughs) Then you're pretending to believe what they're pretending to believe. And the whole bunch is pretending and there's no faith here, and it, and it flops, and we'd have to say, where's your big mouth now? 
Where's your big talk now? Nothing, there's nothing to show. <laughs> we, we must be honest about what we see inside and what we don't. We must be honest with ourselves and with other people about where our confidence level is. I know uh, in healing school some years ago, I was, I was learning this. Uh, I'd been studying and preaching on according to your faith, be it unto you. You know, the Lord said that numerous times, didn't he? He didn't just say according to my power, but according to what? Your faith. And I went by to visit a, a person that was in the hospital, and they were in a bad way. And they were getting worse every day. I mean, they were going down fast. The doctor said they didn't have long. And uh, previously, my, my mindset had been, you know, God can do anything. God can bring them out of this bed just like this. And he can. But do we receive according to what God can do? No. We don't. How do we receive? According to our faith. And, and that faith is, is evidenced by confidence. Somebody say confidence. Confidence to expect something. Not playing, not pretending, not big talk, real confidence. So I, I went by and talked to this person, and they're in pain. And they, I can tell in talking to them a few minutes, they, they are not ready to believe at a high level. And, and the Lord prompted me. Some confidence came up in me. About what? To, for us to pray and agree together that tomorrow they wouldn't be any worse Somebody said, well, what is that? Hey, when you've been getting worse radically every day, that's a, that's a victory. That's a miracle. But why did the Lord give me that? I knew it as soon as I brought it up to the person. They were hurting. You know, they were distracted. And I said, brother, I believe, I got confidence that we could pray and agree together and you would not be worse tomorrow. Now, when I, when I said it to them, I saw a little light in their eyes. Because they thought I'm going to say, let's jump out of the bed right now and run around the hospital, you know. And they weren't there. <laughs> now, are y'all with me this morning? Can you see how people have played games and they've talked big talk, but there was nothing there to back it up? There wasn't really faith there. But I saw a little light in their eyes. And he said, yeah, let's do it. So we prayed. And we agreed together as touching that thing and, 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 and asked the Lord and, and believed. Well, the next day, what do you think? What do you think? He wasn't any worse. He wasn't any better. But he wasn't any worse. So we praised God. We said, this is a victory. This is a victory. So what do you think we did this time now? I said, well, brother, God's, God's done this for you. Let's believe tomorrow that you're better. At least a little. Well, see, it'd be a victory if you just didn't get any worse again. But we're going to see our faith is inspired now. We're stirred up. Our confidence, our confidence is coming up. Well, we did it, and tomorrow he was a little. Not a whole lot, not a whole lot, but a little. And the next day he was a little better. And I got busy with some other things, and I came back a few days later, and he wasn't there. I said, what? See, he got so good we sent him home. Glory, glory to God. But now what 
if we'd have jumped up and said, we're going to just believe that you jump out of bed and run home right now. Unless, unless we really had that confidence, we're just talking big talk. We're just playing. We're just pretending. And you can yell and you can scream when you pray and you can shake and you can do all kind of stuff, but if the confidence ain't there, it's not there. And a lot of times people are making extra noise to try to make up for the fact that it's not there. <laughs> I said a lot of times people are making a lot of noise trying to hide the fact, cover up the fact that the confidence is not really there. <laughs> Go with me to 1 John, please. Can you take some more of this? 1 John, the fifth chapter. Faith is real. It comes by hearing. And when you hear, somebody says, well, what if, what if my faith is not really there? Then you need to hear, don't you? You need to hear and hear. That's one reason we got healing school, right? So you can hear. So you can hear and hear. And if your faith, your confidence is not there, it's a wonderful thing. You can get there through what you hear, through what you choose not to hear and what you choose to hear. Hearing the wrong thing can rob you of your confidence. Hearing the right thing can cause your confidence to raise, to come up higher. 1 John 5. This gives us some insight into how faith comes by hearing. And you see this word confidence again. 1 John 5. <clears throat> And uh, down about verse 6. It says, This is he that came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Said out loud, the Spirit bears witness. The Spirit, the Spirit is truth. Now, according to Romans 8.16, which we've studied in times past, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We're the children of God. As many as are led by the Spirit, they're the children of God, and the Spirit bears witness. What does it mean, bears witness? There's somebody inside you Besides you. Does that make sense? Now you are in your body. You're not just a mind and a body. You're a spirit being. And you have a mind. And you're in this body. So your body is occupied by you. Your spirit. But since you've been born again. Somebody else moved in with you. <laughs> you are not just a single occupancy body. Didn't Jesus say the Spirit is with you? But now He's going to be in you. 
And he is. Somebody said out loud, the Spirit's in me. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of truth is in me. Now, does he do anything in you? Among other things, Jesus said, you know, when he's come, he will teach you all things. He'll bring things to your remembrance that I've said to you. He'll lead and guide you into all the truth. He'll show you things to come. Didn't he say all that? Is that happening for you? Believe it. Say it. But one of the, the, uh, how should I say it though? The means of doing these things is through the witness. Now, a witness is not necessarily a voice. Don't try to hear voices. Don't try to see things. Don't try to feel things. Don't go by goosebumps. <laughs> Listen, well, I, I, just, I just had goosebumps. That could mean all kind of stuff. That could mean the devil. That could mean too much pizza. That, that could mean they just turned the thermostat down some more. That, that could mean nothing. Huh? We're not to be led externally by feelings. We're to be led internally by the witness. Somebody say the witness. Now, I haven't digressed because this is where your confidence comes from. Whether you're reading the Word or whether you're in prayer or whether you're walking down the road and the Spirit of God deals with you about something and bears witness with you on something, confidence is the result or faith is the result. Faith. Somebody say again, the witness. Now, we touched on this in, in the first service. It'll bear repetition. People are misled so many times by not looking for the witness and by ignoring the lack of witness. I said ignoring the lack of witness. The Lord has spared Phyllis and I and the ministry and the church numerous times from people that would have taken advantage of us. And a lot of people, a lot of con men and women, they think people like you and me are easy marks because we're believers. Man, we believe in the impossible, <laughs> right? We believe amazing things can happen, and they think that makes us easy marks, so they'll come and say, oh, you know, God's given me a plan. If you'll just invest $10,000 with me, we're going to turn it into 100000 you know, by, by the end of two months. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We think, well, man, I've been believing for some kind of breakthrough. This must be it. We say, well, give me your money. Well, uh, well uh, show me some paperwork. Show me some masses. Oh, brother, it's a faith deal. You just got to take it by faith. And you just got to believe by faith. And we say, well, aren't we supposed to walk by faith? Yeah, faith in God. Come on now, say it out loud. Faith in God. Yeah, but they're a brother. Yeah, but they're a Christian. They got a fish sign on the back of their car. Faith in God. I saw a sign in a shop one time, and I, I found it interesting. It said, uh, in God we trust, just like on the money. In the bottom it said, all others pay cash. <laughs> uh-huh. 
you're not supposed to trust anybody and everybody. You're supposed to trust the Lord. Even in dealing with people, you look to Him and you get involved with them if He gives you the witness. If He doesn't, that should be enough for you not to get involved. You know, my father in the faith used to say this all the, long, all the time, Brother Kenneth Hagin. He said, I go as much by what the Lord doesn't say as by what he does say. Let's think about that some more. I know there was a deal came up several years ago, and a lot of our friends and associates and people in business were getting involved. They thought, man, this is the investment of the decade, and, and they're going to make all this money. Well, we got excited. We thought we didn't have much, but we thought, well, we'll, we'll put our little money together, and it'll turn, you know, tenfold and more in just a short time. We were all excited because they're excited, and, and we're excited. And they're believing, so... You see a pattern here? So. And so, but thank God the Lord had taught us enough to check with Him with, before just jumping. And so we got to praying about it. I know the morning before we're going to go meet the people that were in the investment thing. And, and uh, I said, Lord, what about this? I hadn't heard anything from you on this. And, and he, I, he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but He spoke to my heart. He said, I've said nothing to you about these people, so you have no reason to trust them. Think about that phrase now. I've said nothing to you about them, so you have no reason to trust them. And he reminded me of Peter. How Peter went up on the housetop, you know, and fell into a trance. And how the Lord had spoke to Cornelius to send people to call for Peter to come preach to him. And they were downstairs knocking on the door. What did the Holy Ghost say? He said, go with them. Nothing doubting. I've sent them. Right? Well, how I many know now you can go? Now you can get involved and you're not just trusting them because they asked you to go. You're going with them, getting involved with them because the Lord told you. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Well, what if he said nothing? Then you got no reason to go. But now here, here's the problem. When it comes to money, covetousness blinds. Say that out loud. Covetousness blinds. We have seen people, good ministers, good business people. We're thinking about, I'm thinking about more than one businessman now. Good people. Love God. Givers. Givers. But somebody come along and, and say, they got this amazing idea. They got this amazing plan. And you invest with me, and we're going to turn this into all this money overnight. And you should have seen it coming. And they're smart people. But they get to thinking about that extra 5000 a month and what I could do with that. And they get to thinking about turning my 10000 into 200000 And they get to thinking about that, and they get blinded by that and fail to acknowledge I got no reason to believe this. Now, uh, we, we did this, uh, it's more, let's do it again, Brother uh, Dave, stand up. Brother, right here, would you stand up, help me out? Help me out of this. Now, turn around and face Brother Dave. Let's say that Brother Dave has a get-rich-quick scheme. <laughs> and he's trying to fleece our brother right here of his money. Of course, he'd never do that. 
But I, let's say I am the Holy Spirit. Well, no, let's, let's back up from that. Let's, back, let, let's say I'm me. And, and we know each other. And he said, Brother Keith, would you come with me to hear this uh, thing, this investment thing? And I'd like to know what you think. And so we go together. And we sit, and Dave, he's laying it all out. And he's telling us about how we're going to get rich, you know. And man, we're going to have all this money by the end of the month. And all our financial troubles are over. And we're thinking, how much? How much? Whoo, glory to God. Man, that's a lot of money. And so I never say a word. And we, you know, we leave, we get in the car, we're riding back. I never say a word, nothing. And he says, what do you think about that, Brother Keith? I just go, hmm. (laughs) Well, nothing. Does he have a witness out of me on this? No. No. No, but if we're sitting there and Brother Dave is legit and this really is something the Lord's doing and as we're sitting there, I go, yeah, yeah, I like it. That sounds good. That sounds right. Yeah. What is that? That's a witness. Oh, come on. Can you see this? That's a witness. Well, how many know you got somebody inside you? besides you, right? And if, if it is the Lord in Dave, it's the same Lord that's in him, right? And as if it's the Lord, the Holy Ghost is not going to just do nothing. You're going to begin to have this sense inside you. Yeah, yeah, this is right. Yeah, this is good. This is me. Just like Peter had, go with them. I sent them. Nothing doubting. But what if he's just got nothing? It's like, it's like the Holy Ghost is not even there. He hears the whole thing. It sounds good. It looks good on paper. He's got no reason to trust. He's got no reason to believe. He has no basis to believe. Come on, can you see this or not? And you go as much by what the Lord doesn't say as by what he does say. And, and, and not to say that it couldn't be a right thing, but it just might not be for you. You know, it might have nothing to do with you. And if you don't have the witness and you don't have the confidence, then you just don't have it. And you need to be willing to look at people and go, well, you know, I'm not saying the Lord didn't tell you that, but I, I just don't have anything about it. I'm not knocking it. I'm not even saying it's wrong. But I can't get involved unless I have the witness, unless I have the confidence. Come on, can you see this, friend? Y'all can be seated. Thank you. Can you see this? Do you believe it? Skip on down to these next verses. These are exciting down here. This this, uh, 1 John 5, 6, we read. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Right? If you'd value my witness or somebody else's witness, you sure ought to value his more than anybody's. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He that believes on the Son of God. Who is that in this room? Come on, let me see. Who believes on the Son of God? He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. Say it out loud. I got a witness. 
I've got the witness inside me. Should you pay attention to that? Should you look for that? And what if you don't have it? Then I don't care how much you need the money. I don't care how wonderful it sounds. I don't care how many people are getting involved and putting money into it. What do you do? You don't. Because you don't have the confidence. It's just not there. Maybe you wished it was there. You wanted it to be there. If it's not there, it's not there. If you know it's something that's in the Word, but the confidence is not there, then you need to put your nose in this book until it gets there. And you need to keep hearing and hearing what He said until your confidence gets there. When it comes to making decisions on what you do in life, in business, and other things, then you pay attention to Him. You ask Him, Lord, show me what to do on this. And if you get nothing, then it is not time to move. Because when it's right, I said, when it's right, there will be this witness. There will be this witness. You know, when Phyllis and I first got here, uh, we, we had a witness about Branson. It's why we're even here. Why aren't we in West Virginia? Why aren't we in Canada? Hmm? We didn't have any confidence about going there. And it took us a period of time praying and waiting on the Lord. But when uh, Phyllis walked in the doors of that building across the way, I didn't even know we were going to pastor. Even when she's looking at that building, we just thought we had a direction, confidence to relocate our ministry. And I told her, I said, well, you know, she used to be in real estate some in times past. And I said, well, I'm going to stay in here and pray, and, and, and you look, and uh, maybe you could find something not only for our offices, but if we had a couple of hundred seats, then we could have uh, some TV uh, tapings and things like that. So she walks into that place over there. It's got, uh, what, 2,500 seats. <laughs> but she had a witness. And she comes in and tells me and at the little place we were standing, she said, you've got to see this place. There's something about it. I said, how many seats? <laughs> 25. What are we going to do with that? <laughs> See, I, I didn't know I'm supposed to pastor. Yes. I didn't have it yet. And uh, so we walked in there, and sure enough, we looked at that place, and, and one of the fellows that was presenting it to her said, how big is your congregation? <laughs> she said, well, right now, uh, Nobody. I'm sure they thought we were silly. But uh, we had confidence to get that place with no, con- with no uh, congregation and no money. <laughs> but it's sitting over there paid for. And we're hearing the bigger one. Glory to God. But now let's just stop. And you know, through the years, God has given us projects, hasn't he? And the Lord dealt with us about that ship for the South Pacific. Yes. And, and, and when you heard about it, did you have a witness? Yes. Did you have a witness? Yes. And the MXers for Jesus and, yes. and some of these other things, did you have a witness when you heard it? Yes. Now, I'm going to say something. If you hear me say something next week and you don't have a witness about it, you shouldn't just follow me as a man. Are you with me now? I'm not telling you follow everything I say and do. You, you know how we do it around here. I'll say, I've got this on my heart. I've been praying. I believe this is what we should do. Do you have a witness? And a lot of times you'll go, yeah. But you, don't, you shouldn't go, yeah, unless you do. Right? And why 
Why don't we, instead of we're believing for, you know, a few million here and there, and we're believing for a little land here, and we're believing to expand here, why don't we just claim the state of Missouri? Why don't we just buy Branson? <laughs> well, it's big talk. Y'all know what I'm talking about now? Why don't we claim? We're claiming another thousand people to come to our services since, our, since we went to two services. We've already picked up probably two or three hundred. How many think it'd be worth doing if you picked up 50? I mean, if you picked up 20, I mean, we already picked up probably 300 people. And the rest of it, well, why didn't we claim 100,000? Could God do it? For one thing, we're already claiming half the population of Branson. <laughs> right? <laughs> On a Sunday morning. More, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. And, uh, and that's wonderful. But God could do more, yes. couldn't He? Yes. God could make us a church of a million. Yes. There are churches that size. Yes. But what can we believe? Not just talk off the top of our heads. Not just big, empty talk. It's got to be confidence that we've heard from the Lord. Go to John. I think I can close with this. Gospel account of John, chapter 4. Why are we claiming what we're claiming? Why are we believing what we're believing? Because that's what's real to us, that we've heard the Lord. I know when Phyllis and I first started, we, uh, we first started believing for a tank of gas. We're believing for lunch money. You know, we're believing for rent. That's where we were. And it seemed like it took all the faith we had to believe. But it came in. And as the years went by, things got bigger, right? And now we are believing for bigger things, but it seems just as natural now and, some, and actually easier in some ways than believing for the tank of gas back then. But what if I'd have tried to pretend? What if we'd have tried to act like we're the place we weren't and just talk a bunch of big talk? Now, you know what I'm talking about or not? There's a lot of people talking a bunch of big stuff. And you don't need to just get swept in because of pride and a desire to impress. Well, I don't want their faith to be bigger than me, so we're going to believe for a 1,000. Well, we're going to believe for 2,000. Uh, we're going to believe for an acre. We're going to believe for a thousand acres. Well, we'll claim 10,000 acres. Well, talk is cheap. You can say anything. Don't mean you believe it. Doesn't mean you've heard from the Lord. But real faith gets results. Real faith produces fruit. John 4. Uh, this woman by the well of Samaria that had this experience with Jesus, she went back and told people, and they began to believe about it. But then Jesus himself went on over there and preached in her place, and the people heard him. And in verse 42, this is John 4:42. they said to the woman, Now we believe. We're talking about real faith here? Now we believe. Not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And we know. This sounds confident, doesn't it? Is this confidence? Now we believe. Is this real faith? 
And we know, is this confidence? We know this is the Christ. We know He's the Savior of the world. Are they in real faith? Yes. Not based on what she said. Now, you've got to watch out. There, there are some people, some wonderful friends of mine. And sometimes I've just acknowledged that their, their faith and vision is beyond mine. And sometimes people have suggested, well, why don't you do what they do? Or why don't you do it just like they do it? Well, that would be me trying to act on their revelation. And that's how you fall. That's how you get messed up. If I try to pretend I believe what they believe, that's how you fail. And I'm not saying what they're doing is not right because, you know, if they said some things, it's obvious. <laughs> They've, they're blessed. They've stepped up to a higher realm and a higher level. That doesn't mean we can't get there. But we won't get there by pretending. We'll get there by operating where we are and getting victories where we are and getting stronger. When Phyllis and I started out, I mean, we didn't even think about claiming a million dollars. We didn't think about claiming a jet. We didn't think about claiming a multi-million dollar church and facility. We're claiming a tank of gas. <laughs> We're claiming socks and shoes. We're claiming grocery money. That's where we are. But if we happen to stay, if you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. You can't start where somebody else is. Don't try to operate off their revelation. Maybe the Lord told them that. Maybe He did. But what did He say to you? Well, they said they saw it in the Word. Yeah, but do you see it? Do, is it real to you? But year by year, it began to get bigger and it began to get bigger. Now we are believing for multi-million dollar things. Now we are believing for things on this level. Glory to God. We're talking, we're talking about years. How many know you can start where you are right now? Believing what's real in your heart. Don't despise a day of small beginnings. Don't despise if it's just a small amount or if it's just a small thing, but be real. And if somebody comes up with this great big thing and goes, come on, join with me, believe with me, sometimes you have to look at them and say, you know, I'm not saying the Lord didn't tell you that, but I just don't have it. It's not real to me. I'd be lying if I said I believe that. Are we really expecting this to come to pass? Well, the things we're believing for right now, are we? Yes. Are we really expecting that place to be sold a great price yes. and things? Are we really expecting everything that's here paid off and done? Yes. Are we really expecting land to expand? Yes. And to, yeah, we're not pretending. We're not playing. And we hadn't been playing from the start. That's why things have happened. They just keep happening. They're coming to pass. They're happening. And I know people, you, all over the church, you're not just playing. We've got people in our houses are getting paid for. Their cars are paid off. They're sowing bigger than they've ever sown before. They're branching out. They're getting free. Right? Because we're not playing. We're not pretending. This is real faith. Stand up on your feet, guys. Hallelujah. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. Said out loud, I am his sheep. I know his voice. A stranger I won't follow. Hallelujah. Go ahead and sing for me.